and thank you for listening to Aubrey CD Speaks. This episode was attempted a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't like it sound. Um, and so I'm I'm redoing it. <laughs> the beauty of doing podcasts is the fact that you can edit uh, moments where there is maybe an interruption, or there's a moment of long pauses and also you can delete when you don't like um, maybe how it sounds or um, perhaps there's too many rabbit trails or something of that kind and so I have the wonderful benefit of redoing and that's what I'm doing today I'm actually doing righteousness and justice and I guess you could say it's Righteousness and Justice Take Two. The reason for that is because I wanted to dive a little deeper into it, and I really felt the last recording, I didn't reach the surface. I was trying to finish as quickly as possible. I saw how long I had been going. Most of it was rabbit trail. Um, And then some of it was, some of it was good. But it wasn't what I wanted to record. It wasn't what I really wanted to talk about. That All that part got hurried. And so um, I decided to delete it and start over. So here we are. I'm going to talk to you about a vision that the Lord gave me. Looking now like a month ago. The Lord gave me this vision. I've been sitting on this and just uh, allowing him to open it up more to me because I knew it wasn't just something to it wasn't something to immediately share um I actually saw the vision um and didn't didn't completely understand what the Lord was telling me about it honestly usually when I have a vision the Lord tells me almost immediately what um what he means by the vision, um, or if I have a dream or a vision, um, the Lord even tells me in the dream or vision what he's saying. But in this one, it was, um, it was something bigger. It was something more detailed. It was honestly almost like the Lord was going to have me go through a series or, um, like a seminar (laughs) class, you could say, uh, about this one. He wanted me to dive into scripture about this. Um, And honestly, um, some of it, even now, I can't tell you all of. But I can give you some because it needs to be said. This is not a... This is not a kind of putting down for the church or condemnation or anything like that. Actually, it's just um, it's an, an encouragement to those that receive to hear and see and receive. And then it's um, it's also a kind of a good little kick in the pants to those that um, hear this and are convicted by it. Um, It's their opportunity to um, get their eyes back on the Father, 
or even repent. This is for the believer in Christ. Um, but at the same time, if you're if you've said all your life that you're a believer in Christ and yet you're not born again, this is even good for you. Because this is an opportunity for you to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for all of us on the cross by uh, taking our sins and um, al allowing him himself to be the scapegoat, be the be the one who takes the entire wrath of God upon himself so that we don't have to have the entire wrath of God. Um, God said that he, I mean, he, he put a rainbow in the sky as a reminder that he promised that he would never again flood the earth um, in order to remove mankind, you know, sinful mankind off the earth. And, um, and so instead of um, having to experience um, the wrath of God because of sin in our lives and, um, and to go where sin goes, which is hell, um, he instead um, poured all of the punishment and all of his wrath on Jesus for all mankind once and for all so that um, there wasn't a continual um, pile of sin um, being built up until um, until the end but instead uh, Jesus took it all and so that we can know him that we can know the father that we can be who we were meant to be from the very beginning, which is a child of God, born again and free to know Him um, and enjoy the benefits of being a child of God. Um, so this is for you. You, you know, today's a good day to repent of your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus. Humble yourself. You know, be honest with yourself and admit that that you need someone to pull you out of sin. Someone to pull you out of, 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 you know, all that stuff in your life. And you, you can't even say that you don't know what sin is. Sin is that all the things that you consciously chose to do that's wrong. And, um, every man, woman, and child, everyone will, uh, be, um, you know, um, will be judged according to it because um, God put his standard upon our hearts. It's, a con it's co what we call a conscience. It's God law God's law written on our hearts so that we would be with knowledge that we would know um, his standard. And so everyone knows God's standard and everyone knows what is right and wrong. Everyone does. No one can say that they do not know Everyone knows what is right and wrong. And and so we all will be judged according to it. Um, and so it's, um, we all need a savior to pull us out of a never-ending cycle of sin and never-ending cycle of choosing to do what we consciously know is wrong 
I mean, how many times have we kicked ourselves asking ourselves, why did we do that? Why did I do that? I know that's wrong. You know, it's because we're a slave to sin and we need a savior. We need somebody to pull us out of it. And the only one that can do that is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one even goes to the Father but by Him. And um, and so when we're honest with ourselves and we humble ourselves, you know, let go of all our pride and say, you know what, I do need someone to save me, and we cry out for salvation, uh, God responds. He God responds and He puts in um, a heart of flesh and removes our heart of stone. And he then puts his, he awakens our spirit and he puts his spirit in us so that we are always with him and he is always with us. And we, we get to have God in us, God with us always, always, always. And we will never be alone ever again because he is always with us. And, um, so while you're listening to this, uh, if, uh, if you're, you know, Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and you know that that you're not born again, and if you die today, you would stand before God, and He would find you guilty of sin, and not only that, He would find you guilty of um, for denying Jesus for denying what he did for you and not putting your faith and trust in what he did for you even though you know the bible or you know about jesus or you know you know right from wrong um he he will judge you accordingly and and he will not welcome you into heaven no matter how many good things you did and how many food drives you did uh he's just not going to welcome you in um because sin is not allowed in the camp sin's not allowed in heaven only those that are blameless, that have been washed in the blood of Jesus, that have put on the righteousness of Jesus, will go into the kingdom of heaven. So, it's a good day, and I pray that if you're not born again, and you know you're not born again, that you put your faith and trust in Him. And if you do, uh, after hearing this, uh, let me know. Uh, and, uh, I'll be praying for you. Um, I have an Instagram, Aubrey CD Speaks. That's the best way to contact me. Um, You can always message me there and let me know. Or if you need prayer or you need prayer for healing, uh, feel free to message me on my Instagram, Aubrey CD Speaks. And and I'll get back with you. Um, Now, with that being said... I'm going to tell you the vision, and then I'm going to uh, elaborate a little bit. In the vision, I was carried um, up to where it was almost like in space. (laughs) He took me where I could see Earth. I could see Earth in a distance. And it was slowly rotating, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful earth. And I knew I was in his presence. I could feel him. And um, a lot of times when I, uh, I have seen, Holy Spirit has manifested himself as a, as a being, you know, for me um, in times 
when I've seen him in dreams of visions, okay? And, um, and so, uh, even when I was there, I knew I would, who I was with and, uh, Holy Spirit shows himself in one way and that wasn't Holy Spirit. This was the father and the father had, um, these stamps, um, one in each hand. Now, when I say that, um, the best way I can describe them is, um, you know, the notary stamps, um, that they use to, like, emboss a, um, a paper, um, that needs to be notarized, where, uh, it's, um, the stamp that's in the device is this circular thing with, you know, with a stamp inside, almost like the ones that they used to, uh, in the old days, like the Romans and, and other, you know, cultures used, um, to, uh, push their seal in wax, you know, just this, this is like the circular disc and attached to the circular disc were these two golden hand, uh, handles. And that's what he was holding. And, um, and he was holding one in each hand and in one hand he, he showed me the images and one of them was righteousness and the other one said justice. And as I was watching him, he stamped first. He stamped the earth with righteousness. And then shortly after, he stamped the earth with just justice. And I could see the earth marked with righteousness and justice. And right after that, it was like I was out of my vision. And, um, and I asked the Lord, uh, cause like I said before, he usually, he would usually tell me, Lord, what does this mean? And, um, and I didn't immediately get a word and I said, okay, I'll sit on it. I thought, cause it was, uh, before, um, my, um, it was on a Sunday. I was at church. It was before my pastor preached. I thought mm, maybe, maybe he'll say something about it, you know? Um, but I just kind of still sat and just, just waited, just waited to hear from the Lord. Um, later on, as my husband and I were driving home, I, I told my husband about it, about what I saw. And, um, he kind of, mm-hmm, you know, because I told him it wasn't, it wasn't something like it was, um, uh, woohoo, fun, righteousness, justice, yay. It, it was kind of somber. There was a sobering, a somberness to uh, watching him stamp righteousness and justice. But at the same time, I didn't feel um, scared or um, anxious about anything. It was just knowledge. He gave me a piece of knowledge. And uh, so I, I sat on it for a while and asked the Lord about it. And he really pressed upon me to read the book of Isaiah, which is my favorite, favorite, 
favorite book. Uh, the Lord has shown me a lot um, since I've been born again, reading from the book of Isaiah. He usually elaborates on things uh, through that book and has oftentimes uh, given me uh, given me my own words, you know, uh, has talked to me and, and showed and elaborated things to me for me through the book of Isaiah. I love Isaiah. Um, and so, uh, I started on the first chapter and I began to read the first chapter and something that hit me was the fact that even in the first chapter from the get go, Isaiah talks about righteousness and justice. Now he's talking to the children of Israel and he's actually giving them a prophetic judgment and telling them to repent. And if they don't repent and turn away from their idols and put their eyes back on God, then um, there would be a judgment upon them. And... Honestly, starting in the book of Isaiah, um, he goes right into what's going to happen. Um, and it's basically, he's going to lift his hand from them and an enemy's going to come in and an enemy's going to try to completely destroy them. Um, but God is going to leave a remnant to, to live and that remnant from all of that will look to him and be faithful upon him and that remnant will be blessed and the generations that come from them will be blessed. And um, and it, it was interesting. It was interesting to read it all and to hear him talking to me and elaborating with these, with these scriptures. I'm going to read a few of them to you. And, um, and elaborate a little bit more, um, on why, why I'm talking about this and why the Lord showed me this vision. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Classic. And the reason I'm going to read it to you this way is because I just want to give a bigger understanding of, of what he's saying. Okay, now I know in chapter one, there are some scriptures that are actually before the ones that I'm going to read to you that are so very popular um, to um, for churches uh, to to share and to say. And a lot of it's about um, in some ways social justice, which is fine. Um taking care of the fatherless and the widows, which the fatherless and the widows need to be taken care of. It's, um, they lack a certain protection, um, without that, um, that, you know, without that kind of family there. And they, they need, they need the help. They need the building up. A lot of times widows have children and, you know, and in, even in, in our culture here in America, it's so important to build up the fatherless, you know, uh, build up the widow and her children who are fatherless, you know, and, um, and so many, um, great men of God 
have, have taken it upon themselves to be like a father to the fatherless. And so many organizations, um, which began um, Christian organizations, have done so much um, for families that don't have fathers and they, you know, to build up the women that lost their husbands, to help the children that lost their father, to help them get a job, um, to help them to make it through life. Um, and so I'm not really dissing on any of that. Um, uh, but it is used very often and, and, and not continued, you know, and some of the other things that are talked about. And even the verse very, very, uh, the verse right before the verses I'm going to read to you, it says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And, and it's, the they, people usually stop right there. Because this whole chapter, and actually a couple of chapters after, is Isaiah being a prophet and a preacher. And he is, um, <laughs> he's being a prophetic evangelist. And he's preaching to these people and telling them, you need to repent, because if you don't repent, there's coming great judgment on you. Uh, because you didn't listen to the Lord, you didn't obey the Lord, you didn't heed to Him. And um, here's what I'm going to start reading. In verse 19 of Isaiah 1, and the Amplify Classic, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. How the faithful city has become an idolatrous harlot, she who was full of justice, uprightness, and right standing with God once lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your wine is mixed with water, your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and runs after compensation and rewards. They judge not for the fatherless nor defend them. Neither does the cause of the widow come to them, for they delay or turn a deaf ear. Therefore, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will appease myself on my adversaries and avenge myself on my enemies. And I will bring my hand again upon you and thoroughly purge away your dross, as with, as with ye, and take away all your tin or alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with justice, and her returned converts with righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God. Now, I'm going to stop right there, just for right now, <laughs> because um, that's one of the first verses that the Lord showed me with righteousness and justice. Now, I'm going to read...
Um, it's the first one that hit me. And it's not the only one, but it's the first one that hit me that talked about righteousness and justice. And he's talking about his people. His people. His people who have turned a deaf ear on the widow. Who have um, taken bribes and therefore... Um, almost forgot the fatherless and and doing so has weakened their community, their people by doing so and not only that causing a hardness of heart and those that should be building them up, supporting them, helping them are the very ones that are ignoring them and setting an example and a precedence um, to the others. And so while God is calling them to repent, is telling them about judgment, he's also telling them what he's going to do after judgment. He's giving them an opportunity to repent and in so doing, keeping all of this from happening if they would only repent. But he's also telling them, if you don't repent, judgment will be upon you. But I am going to turn this around for the good. And I'm going to bring those back and I'm going to leave a remnant here that will that will turn their eyes upon me once again. And I will call this the faithful city, the city of righteousness. I, I sat on this for a while because of the way it sounded, because of the sobriety, the seriousness of it, the weight of it. If you've been listening to my podcasts, to my episodes on my podcast, you would know that I've been in revival since 2016. And this revival has completely changed and transformed my life. It honestly is like being born again, again. But with a knowledge, a discernment, a wisdom that I didn't have when I was born again back in 2008, I I have such a knowledge about what it means to abide in him, to yield to his spirit submit to whatever he desires to just enjoy him to be filled by his love and his joy his overwhelming joy and to, to 
have my ear open to hear whatever he wants to say, and there's so much that he wants to say, because there's so few who will listen. It has been wonderful. And even as I say this, <laughs> even as I say this, I can feel Holy Spirit. And I feel the joy. And I have peace. And I want nothing more than for this nation, for the city I live in, for the county I live in, for the metroplex that I live in, for the state that I live in, and then for the nation that I live in, to repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And for the churches in this nation to be in revival. In so many ways, there are churches that need an awakening because they're asleep. And then others that have been slowly awakening because of um, what happened in 2020 and 2021. Um, they've been awakening. They need revival. They've become hungry and thirsty. And they're on the verge of the presence of God filling filling them almost like what it what it describes when King Solomon built the temple that his father David had designed and the presence of God filling it so much so that even the priest the priest couldn't speak no one could speak it was so it was so um, overwhelming to our physical body. And that's what it was like in 2016. Um, and so many churches are on the verge of it. That's what I want. That's what I want for them. That's what my great desire. And honestly, that's a great desire for the Lord. From the Lord. And, and even as I say this, it still is. But I will say this. The 50s, the 60s, and some of the 70s. There were prophetic words by great men of God and great women of God that talked about, and I know they, some of them talked about the judgment upon this nation. And um, yes, some of our some of our founding fathers were uh, brought up in Christian homes. Some of our founding fathers were from the the pilgrims that came and um, and settled here. And I mean, there's this this there is this um, knowledge of Jesus um, from that time um, here in this nation. But not everybody that necessarily settled here 
were of the same mind and heart. A lot of them were criminals that were sent from France and Spain. And I mean, I, I just looking into my ancestry, um, I have family that's connected to um, some of the very first that came to settle in Maryland. Some of the very first that came to settle and successfully settle in Virginia. Some um, There's some connection to uh, the pilgrims that settled and lived. Um, but I also have family that came because they were running from England, that were hiding, um, because they were criminals. There, there are some that I, I found information that they came because they were criminals or bond servants. And, um, and so not everybody came over here originally um, to honestly found, found this nation as a Christian nation. But the upbringing was um, some, so many of our founding fathers, a lot of their education was you know, from the Bible. They had, they read the Bible. They copied uh, the words from the Bible. They memorized scripture from the Bible. They sat every Sunday in church. Um, that was there, but they weren't all believers. I can tell you that Benjamin Franklin was not a believer. <laughs> if you've really, if you've read about him and studied about him, that man was not a believer. Not even Thomas Jefferson like hung around him and Thomas Jefferson had his own points of view about God. Um, yeah. Um, so we can say that, you know, they founded this nation, you know, in that, this way, in that way. And some of them are believers. Some of them were, uh, and I can't quite, I can't, I mean, from their journals, from their writings, I can't really say that they weren't. And, um, and the Declaration of Independence talks about equality of mankind under God and how they're, they declared that this nation would be a nation of equality. And it wasn't... Honestly, um, their definition of quality, equality wasn't, you know, always right. I know that. I'm not going to say that they were all, they weren't all slave owners. I know, you know, that's not true. They weren't all slave owners. There were some that were very vehemently against slavery and from the beginning of this nation, um, did everything they could to make slavery um, against the law um, and to stop slave, slave trade traders and and to stop um, certain um, people in Congress that were uh, slave owners. Um, understand that there were some that were slave owners that inherited it from their fathers and did everything that they could. To, to get it to stop and it wasn't until they died and it was in their will that they could make it happen there's a lot of a lot of stuff to it complicated you know if you look into it it's very complicated um so 
I know that this nation wasn't completely pure and innocent. I, I'm, I'm, I understand that. I come, I, I come with this, with that knowledge. Um, um, but at the same time, this nation has experienced movements of God, God's presence in a way that some countries have, have, have not fully experienced and, and it became worldwide. And when I say that, even I'm going to include some of Canada, Canada too, North America, South America, the Americas have experienced movements of God that shook the entire world. With that being said, we are a part of the church of God. We are part of the bride of Christ. Um, we are his, just like the children of Israel and this, the, the nation of Israel um, is his in the book of Isaiah. And they were great men and women of God who gave prophetic words, yes, towards this nation. But if you listen, there were many who spoke specifically to the church of America, in America, the Bride of Christ here in America. And I'm including the United States Canada, that's so North America, Central America, and South America. Because we have seen God move in a way that not everybody has seen and experienced, especially in the 20th century. And honestly, this, this can go off for the world. Believers in Christ all over the world. But I'm going to speak to my American brothers and sisters because I, I feel led to that. And particularly North America because I feel particularly led to that. These prophetic words were given to us as a warning. And um, in some ways... There was a heeding to that and therefore victory, or they were ignored because they were just too hard, or um, rules were made and established to keep these things from happening in the church, uh, and in doing so, is causing it to happen. Um, and and then there are those that... that um, heeded to it, heard and saw and, and changed. And, uh, and there's victory over it because of it. The Lord has been showing me with these scriptures and the vision that he gave me that he is bringing to our attention Our, um, 
who we are in him and who we are to be in him. And as I have said in many other episodes, um, he desires us to know him as father. And the whole reason that Jesus, Jesus didn't only come to preach repentance, um, die on the cross for our sins so that his blood was shed for our salvation, for our healing mind, body, and soul. It wasn't just that. It was for us to know the Father the way he knows the Father and for us to know that we can know the Father the way he knows the Father. And we can call him Father just as his, he calls him Father. If we are of Christ, we are sons and daughters of God adopted into his sonship. He has bought us with a price. We are bought with a price. We are his. He has freed us from the bondage of sin and shame and condemnation. And we have victory in him. We have freedom in him. We have joy in him. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We are co-heirs with Christ and therefore have the authority, the dominion, and the benefits of being a child of God here on earth. We are here on earth as witnesses of what Jesus did and what he can do for others, but also who God is and to tell others about God, our Father. And for his spirit to live in everyone, he desires it. His desire is that no one perishes, but all to come to repentance. His great desire. He doesn't want anyone to die in sin. And he doesn't want his children to be blind to the liberty that they have in him. And um, I, I see so much of it every day and even talking to people that believers in Christ um, here in America are so blind to their freedom and their liberty in Christ and knowing God as Father. Um, And we're walking around like fatherless children And we're walking around in a fatherless mentality, not knowing who we are, not knowing what our name is, not knowing our purpose, not knowing our calling, the anointings on our lives, not knowing anything about him, only thinking and being told that he's an angry God and that God and that Jesus is, is, is like, uh, stepping between him and us so that God won't pour out his wrath upon us and that when we stand before him, he's going to sh- judge us in, in anger. And honestly, that's always what I had in this before I got born again, even before revival. I, I, knew, I knew the Father, I knew God, I knew how much he loved me. But I also didn't know 
Like, I, I, I knew who he was, but I always thought, like, I had to push and fight in order to really know him and be with him and I thought I had to be on a certain regiment and rules and regulations and and certain kind of discipline in order to be holy and to be good in his eyes and and to be of a certain mindset instead of realizing that abiding in him and spending time with him means having him all day. His spirit doesn't come and go. His spirit is living in us. His word doesn't come and go. His word is always there. We can always look at it and read it. And it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's there for for us to speak out in faith and declare in faith and, and to remove any kind of bondage that the enemy would try to oppress us with or others, those that are religious and want to put rules and regulations on us instead of us knowing the liberty and the freedom in Christ put upon us. And so often we are told to be in a certain box with a certain type of bondage and chains and ropes around us to keep us down and not to be have the joy of the Lord too much. Don't be too exuberant. And to not walk in faith too much because then you put us all to shame. And that's not fair. I actually heard that one time. Somebody actually told me that one time. That it wasn't fair how I was uh, standing in faith. I made others look bad that didn't really understand standing in faith. And they were weaker than I. And and I could cause them to sin. They twisted complete twist of scripture on me. I could cause them to sin and become disappointed and turn away from God and, and walk away from Christ because of how I was standing in faith and I made others look bad and I needed to calm down because I was imperfect and just like everybody else and I needed to realize that. I kid you not, Somebody told me that. It was really confusing. Um, they tell you, according to your position and in, in, in leadership and staff, you're supposed to act a certain way, look a certain way. And yeah, you know, God, Holy Spirit might be moving, but that doesn't mean you need to be moving with Him. You need to show that you can handle having Holy Spirit in you uh, while he's moving. Um, but you can you can handle by, you know, you don't have to be like everybody else jumping around or yelling or running around or you don't, you know, you don't exactly need to be like any of anybody like that. You know, certain times you can, but not all the time. You need to show that you can handle it and you can control it. I kid you not. All that stuff is, is, are those in the church that want to bind you and restrain you and keep you from having freedom and liberty. And so often we allow it to happen thinking that they must be right because the ones that tell you that usually are in leadership of some kind. 
And a lot of times it's because they're not free or they're in sin or they're just not born again. And it happens more and more in the church today. And we're coming to a, a place and, and these men and women of God in the 50s and the 60s, like some of the 70s, they, they, they gave prophetic words about this. We're coming to a place like there's a fork in a road and we can choose revival and the freedom and the liberty that it's giving us. Or we can choose to go down a road where in the end will cause us to go against our very brothers and sisters in Christ. It's coming to that point. It's coming to a head. I see it. I see it all the time. And if you don't think that what's going on in this world, if you think that what's going on in this world isn't going on in the church, you are dead wrong. You are dead wrong. There's cliques in the church. There are those that are looked down on. And it's not even, it doesn't even have to do with race. It has to do with just um, who they are. Excuse me, societal norms. Um, or they just don't, they just don't fit the click. And we have put ourselves in a place where we're more concerned with what our church looks like than who we're taking care of. And yeah, there are some, there are some churches that are, are, are giving people free food and it's great. They're, they're keeping people, um, some people that are hungry to have food and, and they're doing some great stuff. I'm not dissing that. I mean, I'm not dissing that at all. I I grew up in a poor family. I grew up where our family was below the poverty line. And we did, my parents did everything they could uh, to put food on the table. You know, I, I know that there were times they worked their butts off to put food on the table. And there was even this one time that... We had the Santa's helpers here in Texas. I don't know if everybody else has Santa's helpers, but the police officers bring Christmas toy, Christmas presents and stuff for the kids. And, um, I mean, we had that happen. I guess somebody put our name in or something. I don't know. My dad knows cops. Maybe that was what happened. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I know the benefits of of um, church organizations and stuff and other organizations um, thinking of those that are below the poverty level and, and it's appreciated it really is and it's not something that's forgotten um, it's it's something that daily is on my mind you know what can I do to help them? What can I do to 
you know, anybody that needs help, I, I'm happy to help because I know what it's like to not have help. Um, and I'm thankful to the Lord. You know, I, I'm. Um, somebody may see me and they go, "Gosh, you you might need help." I don't know. I don't know, but I know the Lord has blessed my family, and and I love to bless. I love to bless. Um, it doesn't matter how much you have or you don't have. There's always an opportunity to bless others, um, and uh, and I love doing it. Um, so that stuff is always on my mind. But honestly, we need to get back to um, to what really matters because we've we've steered ourselves away and we've allowed ourselves to be blinded and oppressed and tied down and uh, condemned and confused and and made ourselves to look spotless and um, and it's like a cheap landowner's attempt to uh, paint the walls and in the apartment that has layers upon layers upon layers upon layers upon layers of paint on those walls dust painted over <laughs> like it's ugly and and the, the paint's watered down it's not even a good coat of paint that's on the wall and but we make we make ourselves look good but our church is corrupt our churches are corrupt our people aren't even born again blind we've got leadership that aren't even born again and we 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 need to get back and our eyes focused on him and this is a serious thing and I talk about it all the time putting our eyes back on the father um, and why we need revival I did one about why we need raw revival and it, it simply is this we're coming to a place where things are, um, where, where there's a fork in the road and we have to make a decision. And it's just like what these scriptures are talking about. There's coming a time when we need to decide what's, what side we're going to be on. Our, our churches need to awaken. They need to open up. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I I have preached the gospel and I'm not talking about build houses and and got clean water although those things are good. I have literally gone through the streets of Buenos Aires, Argentina and Santiago, Chile. Okay? I have walked those streets. I I I have talked to people in the in the parks in the malls, um, in in the in the large squares, um, I, I I can tell you stories about uh, living through riots <laughs> that were on on the streets of Santiago. I could tell you of of almost getting in the middle accidentally um, of uh, some police that were trying to stop some rioters there in Buenos Aires. We happened to, I saw it and we happened to get away from it. 
just in time. I can tell you all those things, but right now that's not what it's, this is about. It's about this. I talk to people on those streets, real people, real everyday people, not church people, although I did talk to them too, but real everyday people. You know what they told me? They were so surprised that I would talk to people like them because their churches don't accept them. I talked, I talked to, we talked to skaters, we talked to goths, we talked to punk rock people, we talked to, uh, I talked to a guy that was high in the park, and as I preached the gospel, suddenly he wasn't high no more, and he got honest with me, and he talked about how the, the, the people, the Christians there, they don't talk to them, they don't preach to them certain these these certain people because they're not considered right for the church because if they're going to go through the doors um, the women have to wear certain clothes and the men have to have button down shirts that are long sleeved and they have to have those sleeves down and buttoned uh, preferably in suits and it's a requirement. Or you're looked down upon in the church. Women can't have purple hair or lime green hair and piercings are basically of the devil. Tattoos, even worse. And this is in an area in Argentina where revivals happened that I've heard about growing, like some of it growing up, more so after I became an adult and I found out some other things about some of the other revivals that happened here in the United States because of people that were down in Brazil when a, a revival was happening in Brazil and in Argentina and in Chile. I was even more shocked to hear what the Chileans told me about how I was preaching the gospel, and here I was with piercings and tattoos. And they said, you, you're a Christian? You're, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I'm born again. And your church lets you go to church like that? The way you're dressed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, is, this isn't any different than what I normally wear every day. And they, they wanted to know more because their church doesn't let them in. And I had more than one account where they were told where they told me that churches didn't let the handicap in because they didn't have faith in God before they got to the church that they would be healed. So many were turned away and so many were confused and hurt. And they desired God. But the church had turned them away. And these were churches that supposedly knew the power of God. And I'm not dissing on all of them, okay? But I know what I know. 
And yes, I had believers in Christ. I, I'll never forget it in honored Argentina. I had one man come up to me and tell me that I, I shouldn't even talk to them because they wouldn't understand. And I said, you mean that they wouldn't understand like they don't understand English? Because I've talked to them and they understand English. And I could talk to them. I, I can understand them when they speak Spanish, a lot of it. Is that what you mean, the language? And he said, no, because they don't understand. They're not like us. They don't understand. And I was like, well, the only way they're going to understand is if you preach the gospel to them. And I said, oh, oh no, they're not like us. And, and then he looked at me and he goes, you're you not like that? And I said, not like that what? That I'm a believer in Christ? And he said, you go to church like that? Yeah, I go to church like this. Hmm. And walked away. I said, what? And I went, wait, 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 wait. What church do you go to? What? What is it Baptist? Is it Jehovah's Witness? What is it? And he said, oh, Pen Pente Pentecostal. You go to a Pentecostal? You're a Pentecostal? Yeah, yeah, Pentecostal. You know Pentecostal? Yeah, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. Oh, you're Pentecostal? I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not exactly a, affiliated with the Pentecostal church anymore. And he goes, oh, and walked away. I see it happening here in the United States as well. We're no different than them. We've allowed ourselves to be consumed by the way things look or the way things are supposed to be or, or what we think they're supposed to be or to keep certain things from happening or don't rock the boat. That we've that we're worse than the we're worse than the world outside. We're even worse. Or we look like them and sound like them. And I'm not saying like clothes and style and stuff. The way we treat people. There's no love. And the only way that can change is we God need we need God to move. And since I've been talking, the Lord's been showing me the stuff. I, I've I've had a different fervency in prayer for the church all over North, South. Central America. Because when there's unity in the spirit, in the church, it's not because of what you wear. It's not because men are in suits and women have their hair up in a bun and their, their skirts only, they go all the way to their ankle and, and their jewelry isn't too flashy and their makeup isn't too flashy and, and, and their, their, their uh, shirts are all the way up to their neck. It has nothing to do with that. Absolutely nothing. Unity in the church is when everybody comes with a common goal, and that's to love him and to be loved by him, and their eyes are focused on him. 
And that's an individual decision. And when the individual decision happens and God has, they've been, they've been with God. They spent their all week just loving the Lord and abiding in him. They come with so much love for one another. They love each other. They like each other. And there's such a bond, unity, freedom. Freedom (laughs) in the church because no one is going to be looked down by anybody else. Everybody loves one another, wants the best for each other, is not competing in a, in, a, in a bad way towards one another. But they just like to be together. And it's like heaven comes down and you understand what it's going to be like with everybody for all eternity. Our eyes on him, adoring him, worshiping him all together. And it's glorious to be with one another. And it has nothing to do with the way we look. It has nothing to do with our systems. It has nothing to do with our plans. It has nothing to do with getting out in an hour and a half. It has nothing to do with the vibe of the church, the uh, atmosphere of the church. It has everything to do with him and making room for Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. It's, it's about yielding. Honestly, that's, it's about yielding and submitting to him completely and totally completely open to him and everything he wants and everything he wants to do and everything he wants to show you and everything he wants to say and everything he wants to reveal however he wants to do it that's all it is that's all it is you are a child before him altogether completely and totally loved by him altogether And everyone is welcome. Everyone can come in. Everyone can hear the gospel. Everyone can know about the holy righteous blood of Jesus. Everyone can be born again. And it's going out and telling everybody about Jesus. And you just don't care what they look like. You just don't care. I don't mind talking to a man or a woman in a suit that have a Tesla You know, like, who cares? So they got money. And then going over to the gangbangers that are on the other side. I've talked to both. I don't care. They're all, they're all, they all have the opportunity to know Jesus. I got to tell you something. I've got more respect from the, the dudes in the gang than I do sometimes from those in the suit. Let's say they go to church. <laughs> I, I get more. I, I, they call me ma'am. <laughs> I can get honor and respect from the dudes in the game. It doesn't matter to me who you are, what you've done in life, how you label yourself. All that matters is if you know, if you know you can be free if you know what Jesus did for you that's all that matters if you know that you can be loved by God the God of all gods that he's not looking down on you angry with you but he loved you so much that even in your sin Christ died for you 
and he greatly desires for you to know him. And he greatly desires for you to be who you are in him, who you were meant to be. It should never matter who a person is, how much money they have, where they go, what they do. You preach the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. Get, be honest with them. Love them enough to do that. Because there's a fork in the road and we have a decision to make. We can know freedom through revival and what God's going to do to awaken churches, awaken hearts, and revive them. Or, or those who choose to be blind, to be deaf in the spirit, and choose their rules, regulations, and regimental church. He doesn't desire that for you. He doesn't desire you for to be cold. And like Revelation says, he will remove remove He will remove your light. Just like those, the prophets, the men and women of God in the 50s and 60s and the 70s that warned the church to repent and to put their eyes back on Jesus. He is stamping us with righteousness the whole world with righteousness and justice. And if it means judgment in order to leave a remnant that will look to him so that he can once again call you the city of righteousness, a city of justice, then he will do so. But he desires for us to know him to be loved by Him, to be completely open and yielded to Him, and to know life, and life abundantly, the way we believers in Christ were meant to know life. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear drive your decisions. We we weren't to have the spirit of fear, but we're we're to have the power, love, and a sound mind. As Second Timothy says, there is no fear in love. The Bible says, but love casts out all fear. Don't let fear drive you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't let fear overtake you because of the unknown because you've never experienced this before and you're not sure if this is Holy Spirit. Why would he lie to you? And if you're born again, wouldn't you know what is of God and what is not of God? 
you say, well, I don't know. There's nothing specific about, about certain things that happen in revival in the Bible. Read the Old Testament, dude. There's some crazy things that happened when people were in the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God was over them. The Spirit of God hovered over Mary, and she conceived and had a child. And yet, you're not too sure if it's the Spirit of God because somebody's twitching and shaking or laughing out loud? I mean, come on. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep, waiting for God to say something to be created. And yet, you're worried about somebody being slain in the spirit or jumping up and down or running or dancing all the time? What is this? Don't let fear blind you and cause you to be mute and cause you to be deaf. Yield to Holy Spirit. Yield to the Father. Ask Holy Spirit If this is of you, I want it. Tell him, whatever you have for me, I want. And watch yourself desire and need to be with him and know him and just let him, let him do a work in you. Yield to him, no matter what it looks like, no matter how it feels, yield to him. Give him all. A lot of Traditional churches sing, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. What do you think he's talking about? Physical things? All to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give everything. He's not talking about the physical things. It's everything, you, every part of you. Surrender it all to him. Give it all to him. Yield to him. And let him take the reins. Let him take it all. Give him every seat in your life. Every part of your life. Let him show you freedom. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Ask him to show you truth. Just sit there and say, Holy Spirit. Show me truth. And let him show you truth. Ask every day. You know, go to the book of Ephesians and ask that, okay, here. Here we go. Let's see, let me get my phone open so you don't hear of pages. Go to the book of Ephesians. I'm thinking it's two. But it might be in one. Give me a second. Do, 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 do. Should I do some music while uh, we're waiting? Here's one of them, though. Ask him. Um, Ephesians 1, verse 9. And make it like a like a prayer. So put it in first person. Make known to me the mystery. Um, and I've got this again in uh, 
<laughs> Amplify Classic. I'm just not going to change it right now. Make known to me the mystery or secret of your will, of your plan, and of your purpose. Uh, and it is this, in accordance with your good pleasure, your merciful intention, which you had previously purposed and set forth, it, it, which you have previously uh, purposed and set forth, you plan for the maturity of the times and, the, and just go through it, okay? Uh, but ask him to to uh, make known to you the mystery or the the of his will and his plan and purpose, okay? Or go through and um, I really need to put this in New King James. Okay, I'm gonna put this in New King James. And if you're like a King Jameser, sorry, uh, I'm doing it in New King James. See, um, ah, here it is. Here it is. This is one I ask, okay? And you can do it too. Okay. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge, uh, and the knowledge of, of him and the knowledge of you. You know, so I, this is what, this is how I pray. Ephesians 1, 17. I pray, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father of glory, I ask that you give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and, and the knowledge of you. I want to know more about you. That the eyes of your understanding, um, or the, you know, the eyes of, of the understanding, may my, my eyes may be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of of your calling? What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in me? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward me? Since I believe, according to uh, according to your work and your power, um, and that's just one of the ones that that I pray and, and ask him. Ask him to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Ask him, okay, this whole revival thing, if you're not too sure about Holy Spirit, this whole Holy Spirit thing. Father, I ask that that you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this knowledge. That that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of your calling. That I may, I, I want to know more about this. So I ask that you open my eyes. And, and, you know, there, you've got word on it. Ask him that. And, and, and ask him that all the time, every day. And wait and see what he does in your life. And be open to it. Don't be like, but just be open to it. And submit to it. And yield to it. And watch what he's going to do. He'll do something. He'll, he'll do it. Uh, because he's shown me a lot of stuff ever since I started asking for it. I was like, whoa. Well, you are opening my eyes to a lot of things. I thought, you know, I saw clearly before. I obviously don't. <laughs> um, because this is, this is a serious word. And this is so serious. He gave me a word. He actually gave me a prophetic word for prophets. I, I'm not even kidding you. And I know this is going long, but this is actually really important. Um, he actually told me, um, that uh, for prophets, that this is not uh, 
a time to prophesy, um, to go off and say that there's this new vision. And, and there's always stuff growing and moving forward and everything. But, and I know what's been happening, what's been going on, but I'm telling you that, that if you say that there's this new vision and, uh, and it's for revival, it's not a new vision. Um, some of us have been in revival for years. You're just now getting on the bandwagon, that's all. But, but that's not even what I'm talking about. Um, if you're like, there's this, um, there's this new thing, there's this, this um, new vision to, to point to, to look to, to start. We're going to start this new thing here in the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023. We're going to start this new thing. The Lord said, actually, what we need to focus on are the prophetic words that that the prophets gave uh, a generation ago, even, that are coming, that are beginning, that are starting now. If you listen to the, the prophets of old, um, in the mid-20th century, 20th century, 21st century, um, whatever it is, in the, in the mid-1900s, I always get those confused. The mid-1900s. You listen to their prophetic words. The ones that are recorded or written down. They're talking about... Some of them are... A lot of them are talking about now. This isn't the now time. This is the time that they've been talking about. And the Lord said... To the prophets... Here, here, I'll read it. It is time for the prophets to bring order to the vision. Which is what's going on um and to 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 come together to come together with the pastors and and to stand together on this that the church is to be awakened and revived that the gospel is to be preached that we are not to grow weary that we are to abide in him, be still and know him, be at his feet. We are to be a bride that has been revived and alive for him. And no longer in a place of so much rules and regulations and denominations we need to be of one accord and our eyes need to be focused on that because if we don't we will fall and falter if if we need to put our eyes back on him church and churches you need to put your eyes back on him because if you do not put your eyes back on him and let freedom come revival come to your church you will fall you will falter you must bring back bring it all back to him put your eyes back on him it's all about him and no longer care about the programs and the social stuff 
our eyes need to be focused on Him. Your people need to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And they need to be full of Holy Spirit, resting in His Spirit, knowing who they are as children of God. There are some things that are being taught and preached in the church that will, if, if it went through the fire, if it went through the fire of God, it would just burn and it would not be important. It's too material. We need to put our eyes back on Him, eyes on Him, focused on Him. Because if not, He will only leave a remnant that will look on Him. It will happen. It will happen. There'll be a remnant that that put their eyes back on him, but not before so much happens that it's completely unnecessary. That's my word that I have for you that the Lord gave to me. Keep your eyes on Him. Put your eyes on Him. If they haven't been on Him for so long, focus back to Him. It's all about Him. Loving Him. Being loved by Him. It's not even a chore. It really isn't. It's so good to be in His presence. It's so good to be loved by Him. It's so good to know His freedom. I want that for you. And I pray that you hear this word and heed to it and put your eyes back on Him. Don't worry about the ceremonies. Don't worry about all of that. He doesn't care about all of that. Put your eyes on Him. Focus back on Him. The programs, He doesn't care about the programs. Put your eyes on Him. If you can do the programs with your, with your eyes on Him, good on you. Great spectacular but your eyes need to be on him and I there's nothing really more to say I love you guys I don't even have to know you I don't even have to know you. I love you guys. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray for everyone that hears this podcast. I pray for some of you I might know. But oh man, I would love for so many more to be those that I know that one day, maybe I won't see until I, I until we're both in heaven together, praising and rejoicing in Him. But I don't, ha- I, I don't even have to know you, but I love you. And I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know the love of God and, and, and know His presence in such a raw and wonderful way. And until next time, may you be blessed. And beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as it just as your soul prospers. That's what I have for you. That's what I want for you. Be blessed.